hot, green, not gray and wintry. Um, you know, definitely envious of the folks that are living down south. Uh-huh. So, well, as much well, as it's wonderful to hear Chris talk about the weather in Michigan, um, <laughs> <laughs> the weather brought you by CAS. Welcome to Passion for Collecting, the official podcast of CAS, where we talk everything collectibles from toys to sports memorabilia. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Whitlock. Ross Barr and Anthony Spinnicky. Hey there, toy fan. This is Chris Whitlock from Collector Archive Service. Welcome to CAS Presents Passion for Collecting. Passion for Collecting is the official CAS podcast. We're sponsored by Collector Archive Services. Develop, um, visit our website at www.collectorarchive.com for collectible toys, video games, and trading card, package trading cards. I am here with uh, my two co-hosts, uh, Ross Barr and Anthony Spinnicky. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, probably Happy Thanksgiving. It's been a while since we've done this. It's and, February. Uh, it's February. You should have should have led with Groundhog's Day. <laughs> you oh so little bit of a uh, little bit of foreshadowing. Groundhog's Day. Also, uh, so also hello, hello collectors. Hello collectors. Ooh, there it is. There so it is. We're gonna talk later about the Morphe's auction, but um, one little thing about uh, we were in Pennsylvania for Groundhog Day. So I left on Groundhog Day, and we that were, is true. Uh, yeah, I was sitting, I was sitting eating breakfast um, when and they actually broke into the news to see Punks and Honey Phil, and he actually did see his uh, see a shadow. Get so, out of here! He saw a shadow. He did. Yeah. Well, wow. it was a gloomy, miserable. <laughs> Didn't see that day. coming. So, Didn't see that coming. Darn it! Six more weeks of winter, right? Yeah. Didn't so, see that uh, but anyways, guys, welcome back to the show. I hope all is well with you. I haven't seen you guys in a while. So, what are you um, talking about? I just saw you last week. Well, okay, you saw me last week. We haven't seen you guys online in a while. Oh, um, so, oh. but uh, yeah, so we're a uh, lot of lot of cool stuff going on at CAS. A lot of cool news to um, share and discuss, and um, hopefully, by I, you know, putting a little bit of pressure on um, on Anthony. But uh, if this is out before February is over, right now we're doing a thirty day express on uh, any six by nine carded items. So if you've been sitting on your uh, your vintage collection or your modern Star Wars or your vintage Star Wars and you have something you or if you bought something from the Morphe auction and you want to uh, send it in and get it graded, now is the time. So uh, 30 Day Express on anything 6x9. And uh, we're getting a bunch of people. You know what I think we found out, right? This is what? a big, this is going to be a big surprise to anyone yeah. that runs Shocker. grading Spoiler companies. Alert. People <laughs> like things turned around fast. Crazy. Right? Like, I don't know if you've ever heard that people don't like waiting a long time for their graded collectibles no. to come back. And people never talk about that. But we've seen in that month, a lot of people have said, you know what? 30-day turnaround? Sign me up. Sign it me turns up. Out that's what they want. So, yeah, it's, it's been an overwhelming success. Um, and, and what we're doing, so folks so folks that are listening and don't know, um, you are sending, obviously, anything you want. Send in loose Star Wars, send in Transformers, send in, you know, whatever. But we want what we want you to do is create an order for your 6x9 carded stuff and then an order for everything else. The idea being is it helps us process that particular order a lot faster and it gets through the process. It gets through the, the, the system a lot faster. Otherwise, you know, we have to split the orders and, and break things up and it takes a, a lot longer. So, you know, this is a little bit of conditioning is trying to say, you know, teach um, our customers that, you know, if you send things in, if, if you if you tailor your order 
to um, your specific items that they fall into our categories a lot easier and you can kind of push things through a lot, lot faster. So, um, you know, we're getting a lot, but we're getting a lot of, of a lot of customers that are very, very excited about sending things in. So by the time this comes out, it's going to be kind of towards the end of it because it, um, this offer expires at the end of February. You don't but, know that, Chris. I This could be out tomorrow. You don't know that. I may it, not sleep tonight. You know, <laughs> very well could be, but you know. You have no idea. But if, you know, if Ross, you should but, mark. You should mark it. Today's what the seventh. He's today saying is February seventh. That's right. Once it coming out, uh, we'll see. It won't be the end of February. Maybe we get it out in the single digits. First of March. First, first of March. March. It'll be- I think. <laughs> I Chris think, called so me out as a slacker. He thinks the I'm over get under it out at the end of February. I'm going to put the over under now at February thirteenth. Monday, February thirteenth. That's the over under. Okay. All right. I say it's going to be over because you're a Taking busy guy. Over? You got young kids. You know, just things mm-hmm. things get in the way. So challenge me, Chris. Chris Chris messed up this intro about 15 times on the way in, so there's <laughs> a lot of editing. A lot of editing. I think he said collector archive service singular about 15 times. So yeah. All I'm gonna say is if you're listening to this podcast at the end after the intro, don't don't leave once the outro music starts, because there will be a lot of outtakes I'll put in at the end. <laughs> See? And because of that when when I release the show before February 13th. It's because of that, it's gonna be late. So it's you know. But we still we love you and we forgive you, you know. So, <laughs> but that, so yeah, so Thirty Day Express absolutely take advantage of that. Um, CAS is going to be at a bunch of shows this year. Um, I, I we don't I don't have a complete list. I have the list of where I intend to be. And uh, Ross, you can kind of you know sprinkle in some that you may or may not be at. But I'm going to be at the uh, Columbus Toy Show on uh, March nineteenth. I'm going to be at the, um, the Great Ohio Toy Show at Xenia, um, which is the very next week. It's uh, a <laughs> <Dang>. oh, <laughs> well done. Gross. Gross. <laughs> oh, I had my finger on the trigger he just in case. Ready. <laughs> he was so ready. Uh, for people that are listening, there is a, um, a very, very gross mashup of uh, my face on uh, Lucy Lawless's Xenia body and uh it's so confusing because i'm so attracted to it i'm so attracted uh, to it it is the most attractive uh, i've ever looked in my entire life so yes yeah, right. can, can we see it again can we see it again <laughs> of course of course thank you oh gross 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 um, but i'm going to be at that show um in spite of the absolutely gross um uh <laughs> visual uh so like columbus is one of the coolest shows i've ever been to um and and you know, uh, James Ford puts on an incredible show, and um, and typically the um, the promoter for Xenia does has a table at that show at, at the Xenia? Columbus show. Yeah, Xenia. And uh, and James sets up at the Great Ohio Toy Show. Um, um, but the Great Ohio Toy know. Show. I don't know what I like better: putting this this picture up or muting Chris. Which is uh, <laughs> uh, but but it's the that's great which, uh, which is <laughs> how about you mute him and you put up the picture i think that's that's where we, we that's hit just the too pod- much oh yeah podcast gold podcast gold is there like I a love- like a, a an academy award for podcasting we might win it now yeah, let's look. <laughs> All right, you back on, Chris. Uh, anyways, uh, the Great Ohio Toy Show. I'm not going to name it by its other name. Um, it's it's like seven buildings. It's it's an it's incredible. It's it's a really really big show. So Columbus and and that show um, are great. Um, When's say, the senior show again? 
It's uh, 325 23. 325 23. Yes. Okay. Um, oh. The so, next month, almost a month so later. One, one last. One last glimpse, guys. Yeah, I, I'm so confused by that picture. The, one month after is uh, Kane County, and uh, we're going to do our best to be at that show. Uh, we um, and That's 422 to 423. Never been to a Kane show. I have a really, really busy oh, show schedule, show. but one that I definitely want to try to get to. Um, there's a new show this year that I'm going to do. It's um, in Novi. It's a suburban show place. So it's a really, really big venue and right kind of close to me. So that is May 6th. And then um, we have ICC Con, um, 526 to 528. Uh, can't wait for that one. So that's a, a handful of shows. Ross, do you know of any that you're going to be at for sure? Or I, I'm going to try to make it to the ICCC. Um, and maybe I'll join you in Columbus. Maybe. That'd be cool. Or, 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 the, or the Great Ohio Toy Show. That's one that you really should see. Which one? Xenia? Yeah. So both of them are great. Mm. I'm, I'm doing a good job not saying it, but I can't hear anybody else. It kind of reminds me of uh, you, you can't do that on television. Right. Like, like, saying, like saying, I don't know, or yep. water, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so attracted and repulsed by it at the same time. Gross, 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 gross. Um, so, so, yeah, that's going to be some of the shows we're at. And uh, I guess one thing that I, I do want to um, talk about, um, we're, we're dialing back a little bit on some of our more complex customs. And that's something I kind of wanted to take, take a minute or two to talk about, um, both why, why we're doing it and what we consider to be a complex custom. But, you know, you've seen a lot of, a lot of really fancy CAS things, but we've learned that, um, you know, those do take a lot of time and a lot of resources. And we want, we're really focusing on trying to get our core items um, back to our customers, you know, faster. And, and to, to that end, you know, we've seen, you know, our our numbers, our turnaround time numbers, you know, start to ease up and get to a, a place where people are a little bit more comfortable. You know, we're offering this express service, which is kind of nice. Um, so, and that's, we're, we're sacrificing on one end to try to, um, to try to really bolster ourselves on the other. Um, now, when we say, you know, complex customs, you know, things that we're still going to do, if you want to do a, a figure with a trading card, we'll still do that. If you want to do, you know, a figure with an uh, autograph 8x10, we'll still do that. If you want to do the um, non-sonic welded figures that are kind of have the exploded diagram, still do that. But some of the things that we're, we're easing up on are, um, you know, the, the loose Star Wars ships, you know, kind of that were in the middle of a cube or a loose Star Wars ship with, uh, with figures, you know, suspended in the middle of a cube or anything where um where you have something um mounted to the bottom and something mounted to the back so if you had you know some some figure mounted to a, a bottom piece and then a whole bunch of you know paraphernalia or paperwork behind it you know we're trying to get away from things like that that you know take a lot of extra engineering sort of thing so i know people that, that loved us for our complex customs um you know and and we we love that 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 stage of our uh, our growth, but we definitely want to make sure we're getting back, you know, some of these other things, you know, in a more expeditious way, and that's something that we're doing at CAS to uh, to achieve that goal. Right. Well said, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's something we'll, we'll talk. And if you have something and you're, you have a question about it, don't just give up. I mean, you know, reach out to us and we can you know discuss with you whether or not it's something that you know. That we're we're still able to do, but uh, you know, in the meantime, we just we want to really kind of get things back to you faster. So, um, well said, Chris. 
Thank you. you, And I wasn't muted, so that was great. Um, So as far as the news, um, that's about all that I have. And we're going to be doing an interview here in a minute. But we do want to, you know, throw something out and tease it. Is that is that? Oh, we're teasing. We're teasing here. We're going to tease. A big thing coming up, and uh, and we can't necessarily say it, but Ross is going to say what he can say. Look, well, it. look, we were, talk- we were talking about this before. I wasn't sure how much uh, Anthony would get his act together and get this uh, podcast out quickly or not, right? But apparently, end he's going to get it of, out soon. End of February. End of February. Right. right. Uh, yeah, we've Chris clearly has no confidence in you, right? He's like, uh, you know, no, Anthony's whatsoever. doing whatever. The Photoshop hang, skills hang, are weak. Hanging out with this family, right? <laughs> hanging out with this family. Blacker. That's fine. Messing around. <laughs> I think that's exactly <laughs> what he was thinking. Uh-huh. Exactly what he's thinking. But I, the whole time, was pretty confident that Anthony was going to get it out very soon. So it's before I think we're going to launch something. But we are. I'm going to tease it here. I'm not going to give you the full details um, of what's going on or who we're working with, but I will say it's something that no one's ever done before in grading, right? It's a very a whole new line, a whole new company that we're forming, right? CES has always kind of graded everything under the CES umbrella, but for the very first time, we're creating a whole new brand, whole new type of offering, and we were partnering with someone that a lot of people know. Right? Not as many people know me, but I mean, you know, he's he's out there. <laughs> so a very awesome individual who is extremely accomplished and extremely well known because of his talent. Um, talent in you know a particular genre, area. Genre. In and a particular a, area. And a collector. And yeah, somebody I was who's say, very, very much integrating. So, Chris, you're giving away too much. You're giving away too much. Am I'm I, trying to tease here. I? Trying to tease here. No, I'm kidding. You said you said the perfect amount. You said the perfect amount. Um, but you know, we don't want to say it before it's out there. We have a whole kind of launch plan, but just know that it is something that I think a lot of people are going to be really into. Um, you know, we're starting something new, so it may take a little bit of time to build it, but, um, I think it's one of those watershed moments for CES or the name of this new company. Um, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Yes. And depending on when Anthony, uh, gets this done, you may or may not know about it. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. That could be a little litmus test. So stay tuned. And I think, look, I think our next podcast, because we're going to, we need we, we kind of hinted out that's uh, touched on this at the outset, but it's been a while since we've had a podcast, you know, yeah. life gets in the way. Um, Anthony's a slacker. It's um, the theme of the show so far. Yeah. Right. I mean, although Chris, Chris was texting us like multiple times per week over the last several months to try to get us to do a podcast because he's got nothing else going on. Yeah. I so. got no life. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think I, I feel pretty confident that we'll get back to doing this in, our next podcast, which will hopefully be in the next month or so, we will have launched this and we'll be able to talk about it, you know, in full detail and, you know, say everything about it. So really exciting stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I don't recall being as excited about something related to CES, maybe ever. Yeah, I'm geeked. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Even when Chris joined, even, even that. I mean, it was a pretty big, pretty big moment. <laughs> I mean, he came. He came at the same time as you, so I think you might have carried that that announcement. I but... came in like a wrecking ball. Kind of, you know. 
But. So, all right. Well, uh, can't wait to announce that. Um, and uh, so, and, and we are going to now segue into a really cool guest spotlight with a really cool person that we're going to be interviewing. So, stay tuned next for Guest Spotlight. All right, so here we are with Guest Spotlight, and our guest, um, typically I would introduce um, him by his first and last name, but we're just going to go ahead and call him Brian. Uh, Brian is one of the graders at CAS. So I don't want you guys to um, have his last name because I don't want anybody to not like a grade and uh, show up at his front door. So, <laughs> Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. I, I like you. I like oh, you Brian. said his name Brian like it was hypothetical, like yeah, fake. yeah. like Brian. Brian's, Brian's yeah. actually his name. Brian's <laughs> actually his name. That's my stage name. Exactly. When he's on, when he's on, uh, what is it? Jimmy Kimmel? He goes by by Brian, hyphenated yeah. Brian. Yeah. So, <laughs> but Brian, it was, it was sort of a great surprise. I, some of you folks know that I actually spent a little bit of time. Um, in Florida over the summer, and the second no one day knows there, that, Chris. no one knows. Yeah, that. a lot no of the cool that. people do. A lot of the cool people no. do. Yeah, um, but but and the second day there, this guy I missed that on. In. I missed that on TMZ. Sorry, it's, really. Right. I mean, it's like some of you guys would know that I spent time in Florida. Like, <laughs> I don't watch TMZ. Keep it up. We have twelve customers and three of them. So at least twenty five percent of the people know that I was yeah. down there. Anyhow. Um, so anyways, so Brian comes in and uh, Lee, who is uh, one of our other graders, is like, this guy just came in with a resume that uh, he worked at PSA and Beckett and he wants to come work for us. So it's like, wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> Brian was like one of the, the, the really wonderful, pleasant surprises and he's been um, an incredible member of the team. And um, for those of you who don't know him, we want to welcome him and, uh, and uh, have some questions for him regarding uh, his history and uh, current career path with uh, CAS. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm ready for some questions. Bring <laughs> it on, Chris. I'll, Bring it on. I'll give a little perspective on my first meeting with Brian, too. So I, I saw the resume and called him. Fortunately, I, I you know, I don't get to hobnob down in Florida as often as Chris does. So I didn't I haven't, unfortunately, didn't spend a lot of time with Brian. But, you know, read his resume and spoke to him on the phone and instantly was like, this is someone that needs to be a part of it. Just well-spoken, you know, into what we're doing, like perfect combination, perfect employee, like perfect part of the team. So um, been very happy and he's done tremendous stuff since he's been there. So really appreciate all that. And he's a customer. So obviously he likes us a little bit. So yeah, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, you can't complain about the grades at this point in time. Cause you're just complaining about yourself. I don't know. Lee's a little harsh. <laughs> Who's going to say, nah, just joking. Yeah, I, I love the cases. I mean, they're just artwork. It really is. There's nothing other to say about them other than they're just pieces of art. Absolutely. That's a great way to describe it. Yep. So so you've worked for PSA and for Beckett. At what point in time in your life did you just kind of wake up and say, man, I need to start grading? Like, What, what brought you to that? Um, I mean, I've always been a collector of cards and toys, and I... I lived out in California and PSA was right next door to me. So I went and applied and got a customer service job and then just knew I, I have major OCD. So I already knew looking at my own stuff, what it would grade out. I mean, this is early on in grading. Uh, 2004 is when I first started and just literally within a couple of months, they noticed that I could answer questions that other customer service people couldn't answer. And so 
I went ahead and uh, took the graders test and they said I passed with flying colors and the rest is history. Worked there for four years and, you know, got to travel around and do on-site grading and learned a lot from PSA. But I will say Beckett, uh, those guys are, they're amazing. Uh, the stuff that I learned at Beckett was just incredible. Next level. Yeah. Well they, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, no, not to really interrupt you, but like grading tests. I don't think I've ever heard of a grading test. What on earth is that? Yeah, both PSA and Beckett have grading tests. So they'll have, you know, 20, 30 cards, and some of them are trimmed. Some of them are recolored. Some of them are just really damaged. Some of them are nothing's done at all, at all and you just have to grade them. So, you know, you have to score high. They're, they've already been pre-graded by the senior graders at each company. And so you either pass or you don't. And so it's it's very, it's nervous time, especially if you haven't been through one because, you know, you know, there's trick cards in there. You've got to find those trim cards. And trimming is one of the most difficult things to locate on a card alteration. So that is one, something that unless you've seen it, it's hard to detect. I mean, it really is. You can measure a card sometimes, even from the factory, they're short. Um, doesn't mean they're trimmed. So there's very telltale signs of trimming and it's just something with experience that you learn. But when you go into a graders test and you haven't been uh, looking at these cards consistently, cause you know, PSA, we're grading 400 cards a day. Beckett was about 300 a day with That's the per person per day, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the subgrades do slow you down a lot. Um, PSA just has the single grade. But other than that, I mean, with once you get the experience, once you work in it, you you get a hang of what you're looking for. You you can see the trimming clear as day. I mean, you could just go, oh, this cart's trimmed. It's it's definitely cut. What were the numbers you said? Three to four hundred a day? Uh, PSA is four hundred and Beckett is three hundred. Wow. So that's man, that's uh it's a lot 30, 40 an hour, yeah. That's a lot. That's and, a yeah. lot. Are you using are you using like any instruments or um yeah, well, what do you do? You use anything to like look for the trimming? Is it the naked eye, or do you use like microscopes? Or, no, a loop. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had microscopes, but not for trimming. Uh, the loop is the main tool that we'd use for Oops. trimming. Obviously, okay. yeah, like a jeweler's loop. Um, the you you want to measure the card as well. You want to make sure it measures up. But like I said, it can come short from a factory, so that doesn't necessarily automatically say it's trimmed if it's short. But other than that, there's there's telltale signs. I don't really want to give away a lot of the secrets because those trimmers, they are, they're getting high, high tech. I mean, there, I think there was a guy that bought or stole the uh, actual factory blades from tops that was oh cutting their cards. So they go to, you know, crazy extent to trim cards and some toy Tony stuff right there. Yeah. It's, it's scary. I mean, it is. You take a card that's got a bent corner or a damaged edge and you can just, or even they'll trim to make the centering better. It's happened. They, they do all kinds of things just to get the cards in a higher grade. And I mean, we've, we've gotten to the point where you'll see like cards that have serial numbers and that serial card or that serial number is in our system now or in Beckett system, PSA system. And they'll be able to say, well, this card was graded a eight. And now all of a sudden it's sent back to us and it looks like a 10 red flag number one, you know? So, you know, the grading companies are getting a lot smarter about detecting it, but just the experience. I mean, some of those guys at PSA, 
there were some guys that started at the very beginning and Beckett, obviously they they've got a lot of experience there too. So both companies are, are pretty good at spotting all the, the detect or detecting all the trend cards, alterations. Well, fun fact, the very first card ever done by PSA was trimmed, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, they've had some throughout the years. It, it's, Obviously, trimming is is a difficult thing, so it's sure. very complicated. But sure. I mean, even even fake cards have gotten through. I mean, when you're doing that that amount of cards per day per hour, you're going to have some mistakes. We're right. all human, so it happens. And grading companies and don't make mistakes. The, I'm sorry. Grading companies <laughs> don't make mistakes. Yeah, we never that. make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say this. So while I was down there, you know, Brian was looking at some um, modern stuff, um, some of uh, the, um, the vintage collection Star Wars stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to reject this one. It's got ink touch up. And, you know, from um, there's really no good reason to to ink touch up a modern figure, you know. And so so really you say, OK, well, probably not a good reason to do it. But he showed me, he said, you know, you, you can see bleed through from the edge. Clear, clear as day you could, but then we actually, you know, looking at it a little bit closer, you tipped it up, and there was actually um, an ink stamp on there. It's like a serial number that Hasbro must put on for some sort of reason that kind of bled through. It kind of let you know that the kind of eye that Brian has that has kind of transferred over to CAS. I was like, holy crap, you know, <laughs> you can tell really quick that, you know, Brian sort of had an eye for it just right mm -hmm. off the bat. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh you can transfer the two grading, you know, grading cards, grading toys. It's a lot of the similar things that you look for. There's a lot of alterations, obviously, you know, price stickers aren't on cards, but that's still, there's a lot of hiding going on in cards. You know, they try and hide uh, scratches or people will erase autographs, um, things like that. So it's all there. We've seen it all. So once you get that eye for it, you just, it, it your eye goes straight to those things that stand out. It's just a red flag. And like right. you said, sometimes it really is just a harmless thing, like a stamp, but you got to be sure you're checking those because everyone's trying to get a higher grade. So yeah. we want to make sure we grade it accurately. It'd be interesting to kind of, and I'm, I'm probably stealing some of Chris's thunder, which makes me very happy, but Yay. you know, to, to dig into that, I think that's probably people knowing your background. That's probably one of the more interesting questions I think could be asked of you is so how is it different right you, you there's a lot of similarities between the grading but what was some of the adjustment that you had to go through from from grading cards to grading toys that you have a lot more going on with them and maybe that's one of the one of the things yeah I, one of the things that i think stood out to me is the reproduction weapons um, mm -hmm. i mean obviously you have fake cards you know what to look for but with weapons i mean it's plastic so people can do some pretty good jobs in reproducing these weapons. So that's been one of the things that stood out to me is, as far as being a little more difficult in the toy grading as opposed to card grading. Because with card grading, you know, you have pixelation that you can look for on the cards and stock feel and uh, things like that. But so it, got, it was an adjustment to look at the reproduction weapons. So that would be the one big thing that stood out to me as a difference. But other than that, I mean, the cards cardboard is cardboard so it's it's right yeah uh, it's pretty transferable as far as it's just like looking at a big card so i'm looking at the edges the corners the surface seeing if there's print defects you know things like that obviously you add a bubble and a toy but right well that's what i was gonna say when you start adding the different elements 
you yeah. know, the bubble and and the the, the plastic figure. Um, and and I guess like a box item would be very similar to a card as well. It's just lots of different sides. Except yeah. the crease weighs way differently on a yeah. box item than it would a right. card, right? Yeah, I mean, because the card is two and a half by three and a half for most standard cards. So you're looking at a small surface. So a crease is going to stand out and it's going to drop automatically down, you know, to it could go as far as a four or five grade, depending on how bad the crease is. You can go even further if, you know, the card's completely creased in half. But yeah, it's it's a different, you're looking at a, that was one thing that Lee did really help me with. He's like, you got to understand you're, you're looking at a bigger card. So give it a little bit more leeway because that crease isn't as big on the, the say the Star Wars card back as it is on a card. So right. it shouldn't weigh it down as much, which I understand it. It's definitely, you got to look at the whole picture of what size of the item we're looking at. Well, and a card is a finished product, whereas the packaging for a toy is not, you yeah. know, so, you know, realistically, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with almost, like a, a wax pack and the the card on the inside all in one package in, exactly. in some respect. Yep, that is true. And um, I mean, there's things like in grading cards that we don't necessarily do, like, you know, patch cards. We don't actually, if the patch has stitching that's gone, that's not going to be uh, lower grade because the stitching is messed up. That's just part of the patch. So it's different because like you're saying, you've got the actual product inside the bubble that we also have to grade and make sure that the, you know, that paint applications are good. There's not any kind of damage to the figure inside. So there's a lot of differences, but it still is grading. Basically overall, everything is, you know, looking at condition and figuring out what it, it, it looks like. So it's something that's, I've got a lot of experience from cards and I'm very appreciative of both PSA and Beckett for, you know, opening my mind up to that. It's been interesting. It's been an interesting ride. I mean, my true passion is toys. So I've got a lot of experience with toys as far as a collector goes. And I've graded before. Unfortunately, I graded with AFA first. Sorry guys, but. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. A long time ago. No, no, he wasn't, you, uh, you didn't work there. No. Yeah, you did great at it. Oh, okay. You submitted. I, I okay, said, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I submitted stuff. So, yeah. But, and that we was love like, AFA. I mean, so it wasn't even in existence. So, it's not my right. fault. Right. And I don't know. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to kill you now if you submit to that. <laughs> no. Brian, what, uh, what, what toys did you collect? What, what, what were you into? Still Pretty are. much everything. I mean, I've gone. My my biggest collection is Transformers. I've always been a Transformer nut. Um, other than that, I mean, when I was born in 1976, so right in the time of Star Wars, my uh, brothers gave me a lot of those figures. So I had tons of Star Wars figures: uh, GI Joe, Thundercats, Silverhawks, Food Fighters, Muscle, T TMNT. Uh, pretty much anything in the 80s, I collected. And small gap once I uh, graduated high school in the 90s where I didn't collect, but then got straight back into it. And I've been collecting ever since. Transformers again. I mean, that's just my go-to. I love Transformers, hmm. unfortunately. I love Transformers, too. No, you <laughs> so, don't. I do. You're I have... Transformer hostage. Well, <laughs> hold on. I got, you know, let's just see. Like, literally as we speak. I mean, I can just reach down and, you know, I got Sunstreaker. I have oh, a wow. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm a Transformers guy. Chris, get up and show us more Transformers that you have. Come on. Really? Is that what you're trying to do? Let's see more. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. 
Well, I like seeing your armpit on camera. That's good. <laughs> See? That's hot, isn't it? <laughs> I, 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 I've worked out, the viewers. I've worked out three viewers. times this year, so you know you guys are probably already getting the seal up the benefit nice. of that. So nice. Dude, Chris, <laughs> nice, nice CAS polo shirt. Very See? Nice. Oh, I like that. See? Oh, like oh no. Look at that. For the win, Brian. Love it. I love it. That is awesome. Perfect. I wasn't lucky enough to get a polo shirt, though. Just no. These are for the executives. And and Chris and Chris. So so you you mentioned that that you know you really enjoy working for PAS, but that Beckett kind of was next level stuff. In what way? So Beckett it's amazing they're like a tight family and psa was more everybody just did their job they were great at it but so beckett we would have weekly grader meetings and for an hour we would talk about things we saw about um trends in the hobby about cards that we're having trouble with about suspected cards that are going to be coming in like it just was everybody's knowledge in one meeting every week and it was amazing i mean you could literally say look i i saw this card that has been faked and everybody needs to see it psa didn't have that line of communication i mean everybody communicated but it was more of a i don't want to say like a conveyor belt but it was kind of like that like you get stuff done uh beckett was just it was like a big family and everybody helped everybody. It was, if you had a question on a grade, there was no problem with having a round table and everybody would put their thoughts in so we could get the grade right. Really? So I just loved it. I mean, it was, it was amazing. My son works there still. So that's how amazing oh, that's that, cool. I got yeah. him in and he's a senior grader over there now. So he actually Great graded one of my him. cards, gave me a seven and a half, but I still, I forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, but hey, no. those old frame cards come scratched up and. Well, it came, yeah, so it was a redemption. The it was it was a redemption, and it came like in a um a large top loader, and it came broken right from tops. So you know. Yeah. Hold on, you know that he actually graded your. I, I literally your... sent it to him. Yeah, he. Yeah, gave my me. son didn't grade it though. He just uh, submitted it for you. Yeah. Okay. They have a specific way of having cards graded for employee type of situations, though. Okay. Yeah, so it's not a favoritism type of deal. Gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna say that's crazy if you could send it to a specific grader. Like. Yeah, <laughs> I just had him send it to Dason because that was his contact, and then Dason right. submitted it the right, right way. Yeah. I know who graded it. I can tell you that, but <laughs> can I get his last name and where's the address? <laughs> no, no, that's a secret I'm gonna never reveal. Yeah, no, it was actually really cool. Um, in fact, I, let me see if I can go grab it really quick because it's an oversized card, and and Beckett was the only one that would grade it. Can we mute Chris now? Now that he's off camera. He'll never know, but unless he's still. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's not gonna listen. He's gonna start talking and. Um, actually, he can still hear me. He can still hear me. <laughs> right? You can't mute his sound. He's still talking, though. Oh, it's great. Uh, Chris is show and tell. No, but this is something Brian helped me out with. So it's a oh. five by seven card. It's great. It's um, signed by Jeremy Bullock and uh, Tamora Morrison and uh, Daniel Logan. Cool. But, you know, nobody else would do it. So it was kind of a, you know. Wait, what's the overall grade? I thought you said seven five, and it's an eight. Oh, it's an eight. Yeah, yeah, it's an eight. So it got seven five edges. It got a seven for edges. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, kind of a cool, kind of a cool thing. Um, 
So, yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, a little side note. They said that they're not going to be doing those cards anymore. The thickness and the size is just a pain to hold on. Yeah, so they ended up almost like vacuum forming it. it it's kind of put like on a, through like a little piece of plastic. So it's, uh, I would imagine it is kind of a, a challenge. And it, it, they, they sort of take more of the CAS approach, right? It's trying to do a little bit of everything, but sometimes it gets a little challenging. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're limited too because obviously they have to um, sonically weld their cases. It's not like us where we're actually putting the cases together. So, right. Yeah. Right. A little bit more limited on what they can do. Is that, was that a custom case that they made for that or yeah. do they have like slabs for that size card? They have slabs for that. Yeah. But oh, okay. it's a, I mean, they're sonic welders. They have to set up like a new horn to actually seal that size card. So it, it kind of becomes a, a tax for them, but they just don't want to put a card that's going to move inside a holder so much. And that, that card in particular is very thick. So it's not like a standard size card. Um, mm. And so it's just, you, you got a big pocket in there. So it has a lot of ability to move and they just don't want it being damaged in their older. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've, they've done a lot of things. I mean, they can do comic books and photographs. They can case a lot of things, but just the, the thickness of that card, it's a hassle for them. And they don't want to, you know, damage somebody's cards in the process of it. They did a lot of, uh, like you said, it's almost like vacuum sealed inside that pocket. So they did a lot of work on that one. All, all the cases are, are sonic welded, though, right? That's the yeah. the yeah. You, any size. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's weird that they never went to a different model or a different way of doing stuff. Yeah, maybe because it's easy. Yeah, it's easy and it's uh, cost effective. I mean, their holders are. The, I like Beckett holders better than PSA holders. Yeah. That's just my opinion, but uh, they're still way, way, way cheaper than what we're used to in the toy grading industry. I mean, they can get their holders since. And it's the sonic welding machines are expensive, but it's a very quick process. You know, you put the card in, you put the card in the sleeve for Beckett, and then you put it in the holder and just push a button and you're sealing it. But for PSA, they, they put their card in. Some of them have uh, sleeves, but not all of them do. But both of them have the same sonic welding machines. I mean, different manufacturers, but same style. So it's very easy and quick. You know, somebody can seal 200, 300 cards a day, one sealer. So as opposed to us building our cases, and, like I said, making pieces of art, it's definitely something that is a slower process, but in the end looks beautiful. I, I have a two-part question switching gears. Um, yeah. two parts. First part, uh, card grading. What was your favorite or rarest or most interesting card you ever graded? It's all three. Yeah. Answer all three and, to that one. What's that? I say answer all three to that. Cause they may be different answers. Right. Yeah. You can answer. Take, take the question as you want. And then I'd like to hear that also for toys too, since you've been at CAS, like what's yeah. the thing that you thought was coolest, rarest, um, whatever. I'm a little bit, uh, I have to say I'm a hockey fan, so my favorite thing ever is a Gretzky rookie autograph. That was oh, cool. one of the coolest things to see. I mean, tops or Opeachy? It's Opeachy. I mean, come on, tops. Who wants tops? <laughs> 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 yeah, just kidding. But uh, yeah, the 
the Gretzky rookie, I mean, I just, I've always wanted to own one and then to have it autographed. I mean, I got lucky enough to grow up in California. And when Gretzky was playing on the Kings, I got to go to training camp and he literally knew my name because I got to see him so much and he would sign anything I wanted. Maybe one of the nicest guys ever. Wow, that's. I even have a card that he autographed twice—that upper 1990 upper deck card that has the front picture and the back picture. He signed it on the front and the back. That's so, awesome. Really cool, dude. I just never had the ability to get a Gretzky rookie back then, and so, yeah. They've that, never been cheap. <laughs> no, and they're super out of touch now. I mean, especially if you want to get one in a decent shape. Yeah, six or above, you're talking, you know, a lot of money. A lot of money. Um, as far as toys, uh, I would say it's seeing a lot of the Diaclone uh, Transformers come in. I mean, being a Transformer fan, just seeing a lot of that rare stuff is is pretty cool. I've actually never owned one myself, so it's cool to actually see it in hand and you know get to be amazed at it. And hopefully, somebody's in love with it once they get it back in the case, and it just looks as beautiful as what. I can see these guys doing it with the casing, so it comes out amazing every time. You can yeah. probably answer my question. Do the Diet Clones ever come sealed, or are they the boxes sealed, as in like taped? Yeah, tape sealed. Uh, don't believe so. Okay, yeah, mine doesn't look like it's taped. I, yeah. I'm not an expert on it, and I'm not. I, I bought mine because it's, it's armpit. a Jeep. It's your armpit. Yeah. We didn't think... the armpit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. bro's the one that started sealing the box transformers. Yeah. Yeah, I figured I'm a Jeep guy, so I bought, you know, Hound. So Nice. Yeah, I love it. Um but when, so what about like did you ever do like grade anything like old, like cool and old like a Mantle rookie or a Honus Wagner or anything like that come um, through? Well, I was with PSA when we had the Honus Wagner. So that actually came through the one that there's all kinds of lawsuits over and all kinds of bad shadiness to it. You know, they the, said the first was, one, the number one. Yeah. The one that all that, uh, Gretzky and Bruce McNall, the King's owner owned at one point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was there for that. Um, didn't actually grade it, but I got to hold it in my hand, which is kind of cool. Holy cow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I mean, I've seen so many cards and the dollar amounts are just insane. I mean, yeah, it's incredible how much the card market has come up and how valuable some of these cards are. It's just insane, especially uh, the modern cards. I mean, you're Le- LeBron James rookies that are like in the millions of dollars. Patrick yeah. Mahomes rookies that are in the millions of dollars. Yeah, you know, in the same category as mantles and you know things of that nature. It's just it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I always have a soft spot for some of the more vintage cards just because even though they weren't as limited as, say, some of those, you know, LeBron James that are numbered out of 10, they're just special. I mean, the fact that they made it all these years and some of these people have really, really great cards that are in great condition and just amazing to see that, you know, it, it truly is a piece of history. I, I That's why I love the, the seeing the early 20th century baseball cards the tt06s um all those are just unbelievable it's just you know it's the the uh morphe auction which i think you know we talked about before we talked about that before um (laughs) um (laughs) um you know seeing some chris you saw those there just Oh yeah, the Ty. Well, and and I guess there was a Cy Young, Ty Cobb. Well, there 
was a 52 tops brick, right? So there right. was a brick of eight 1952 tops packs wow. that um, sold for after the buyer's premium like eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars. And the um, rumor has it, I guess you're not not really into spreading rumors, but I will anyways. But um, rumor has it is the the guy that owns PSA was the guy that bought that. Nat Turner, yeah, yeah. So he has a pretty nice collection. Yeah. And and the capital to spend eight hundred seventy thousand dollars on a brick mm-hmm. of uh, old cards. Yeah, there was a lot of really cool. Like, there was a lot of cool uh, cello packs from the late fifties and early sixties, and you're like, how does this stuff survive? Unbelievable. I mean, truly, how does it survive? I mean, and, like, and back to Brian's point, like that's that stuff is special, right? right? Like manufacturing rarity on you know one to ten, whatever. And that's that to me. That's like the golden ticket, which again is a, is a, is a special thing, but it's manufactured rarity, manufactured well, I, specialness. I saw on Facebook today that the time gap from today to 1987 tops is about the same time gap as from 1987 tops to 1952 tops. That doesn't make you feel old, but like you know, you think of like 1987 tops. You get them for what 20 bucks a box. They're very, very common. You know, junk wax, right? <laughs> but the, you know, 52 top sells for eight hundred thousand dollars. So, just it's yeah. crazy. So, <clears throat> and, and I heard too that so the, two of those bricks were found, and um, the the guy opened one brick and then obviously kept the other one sealed. And in that one brick uh, was the one and only uh, 1952 tops. Andy Pafko uh, graded PSA 10. So that was number one, the number one card in that set. And, you know, if you're trying to put together, I can't imagine there's too many PSA 10, 1952 top specs, but the fact that the number one card, you can get a, a 10 in it, is just breathtaking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the PSA 10, it's kind of, it's, since they don't have a 9.5, you can you know lump in the nines to tens like it borderline nine ten will go to a ten a psa versus you know beckett you have to the subgrades are there so if you are kind of sliding towards a ten you got to prove it because you got all your subgrades to back it up so So that's interesting that's actually an interesting little segue because you know sometimes people will talk about you know psa grade or sorry cas grades versus AFA grades, um, you know, in, in, in the different way we, we approach things. Um, but there's, there's actually a precedent in the, the market for that, right? Because, like, a PSA 10 is considered, like, the gold standard for cards, but a BGS 10 sells for significantly more and is much, much harder to get. Yeah, I mean, a quad 10 is the best of the best. If right. you get a quad 10, you're, you're so, in the money. Black Label is just amazing. Cause yeah, Beckett has two uh, stages over a PSA 10. Yeah. So, yep. so you know, I was thinking about this in in respect to CS grading. Do you think it's so? I don't. I don't think we've ever given out a hundred. I don't think it's possible. I don't think we do it. Like the ninety five is the perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Which, which you think about it in respect to card grading, like maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe we should revise that. There's got to be something that is a hundred, hundred, right? Like I, I don't think you've given out a hundred since you've been there. I don't. I don't recall that we've ever given one. I haven't. Um, I have given a ninety five before. Um, right. I think I'm pretty sure Lee said he's never given a hundred either. So it's, I don't think we have things it's, but in the end it's true. I mean, these are toys. So even in the factory cases, you know, you pull them out of that factory sealed case and there's going to have damage to it. Right. So if you want to say something's perfect, it should 
definitely be perfect. Right. Cards, I mean, it's there's lucky cards out there. There really are. You know, you get them right in the middle of a pack, and the cuts are perfect, and it just doesn't have any flaws, nothing, and that's a perfect ten. They're rare. I mean, to get a quad ten from Beckett is is very hard. So, but they're also a smaller card that's protected inside a pack and so there's that chance uh, the factory toys aren't designed to have that kind of protection when they're put in the factory case so it's well, it's difficult it's a really good point that's a really good point. There's not a 10 or 100 out there it's yeah well, the 100 would probably likely be a loose figure more so than it would be a carded figure right oh, there's yeah. a lot more factors that yeah. can affect a carded figure than it can be because and, and anything that affect affects a, a loose figure or a carded figure affects the, the loose figure as well. But then you also have the, the carded elements to, to consider. You, yeah, have you, can, you can have like a, a box item that could potentially be 100, uh, 100, right? Something that's just dead, perfect, nothing off the factory, perfect, perfect, perfect. But it, again, I, I think if we ever gave out 100, the hobby would lose its mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you've I, never done I this before. It happened like, with a Funko Pop because, I mean, I've seen right. some very clean Funko Pops. They oh, absolutely. They have a lot of problems yeah. with their paint apps. And yeah. their boxes are pretty. I mean, they're not, I'm not gonna call them sturdy, but sometimes they're just amazingly perfect. Well, they're yeah. made to be a collectible, so yeah. there's that level of quality. Interestingly enough, I don't know that there's any perfect ten comic books, right? So the comic book, the gold standard, is nine eight. Yeah. So you don't need right. to see a nine nine or a ten, or you maybe they're out there, but I've never seen them. And and basically, it, you're going for a nine eight. That's what you're yeah. hoping to get. Yeah. So. Yep. It's very similar to that toy grading. I mean, it's it's going to be hard to find. You can't say they're not out there because you might get surprised and sure. find something. But it's going to be a lot more difficult than a card. Have you, have you found it all, kind of a random different question too, but have you found it all that you've become desensitized to collecting from seeing so many toys in, in the time that you've been grading? It's funny because I know with all my years in card grading, I've definitely become disconnected, but I'll always go back. Like I'll always, when we had the pandemic and, you know, people are going to Target or Walmart and buying blaster boxes, uh, it, I would fall into that category. I'd go buy cards. Um, and the same thing with toys. I mean, you, you get a little, I wouldn't say, um, disinterested but you see a lot of the same thing and mm -hmm. so it kind of becomes old because you know be it star wars or be it uh some particular rookie card you see the same thing over and over again so it doesn't have that same awe factor and so yeah you you do kind of get out of collecting i still i still have a passion for both um particularly a passion for collecting yeah. yeah, for both for yeah. poison. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There well, you go. Yeah, for toys and cards. I mean, I'll always be a fan of autograph cards. I always love to get rookies autographed, and I like to get transformer carded figures autographed, things like that. So, so one thing I'd like to see in toy grading is uh, autograph grade. It's something that cards have for grading, and we don't have it in toy grading. And I think it would be cool because. There's a lot of autograph stuff. I've seen a lot of autograph toys come through, and you know, I, I appreciate a good autograph just as much as other people because autographs are just as 
valuable when they're perfect as a card or a toy is. So it's one of those things where you can have a dual autograph or an autograph grade as well as the car or the toy grade. Yeah, there definitely is different levels of quality depending on, you know, the situation. I know I, mm-hmm. I have a couple that I, you know, you get these paint pens and, and you know, you, you try to keep something dry, but I got one by, um, uh, I forget the guy's first name, but Constantino is the guy that uh, did a Gomorian guard at ICC. And, you know, I almost have to wipe it off and, and have it redone because it, it, it got something happened to it. It just it doesn't look very good, you yeah. know. So, yeah. I always used to hate when you go, when I used to go autograph hunting and, you know, you give the player a card and then he'd sign it and hand it back to you, but his thumb's on the autograph and you got his thumbprint. Oh. <laughs> oh <laughs> that's <laughs> Cool. I mean, he's got his fingerprint, but not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely talk about PSA DNA, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing. I mean, I'm glad that we actually do handle autographs because that's something that AFA really doesn't do. You know, so I mean, I've become a really big fan of autographs since since um, becoming involved with CAS, and I just absolutely love that that experience. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, I think that was a big time actually take away from the grade for an autograph. Right. I was just going to say yeah. they do. They do. And we take the complete opposite approach that it enhances it and we have a service to authenticate it. I think I think Chris is right on. Um, it's it's something, you know, I'm certainly proud of that we do. And I think it, it enhances the hobby, enhances the collectible. Yep, I agree. Yeah, it's it's changed collecting for me because it used to be I didn't want to get an autograph on something because I didn't want to it to lose value, and now I get an autograph on it because number one I like it and I like to meet the, the the folks that are doing the signing. But then on top of it, you have something that actually becomes more valuable. The you know, JSA comes to our facility, they actually authenticate it. You know, so it's it's nice to to have that sense of security and then have the provenance built into the case. So you know, it's yeah. definitely been been fun. To, to me, I still wouldn't do a like a vintage twelve backer, vintage carded figure. It just it still feels a little strange to me doing stuff like you do, Chris, with the black series. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. the perfect medium for something like that. But, yeah, like, but then I hear, but then I hear Brian say that you would do it on rookie cards. So is that is it more accepted, kind of in card grading for? Oh yeah, I mean, getting a rookie card signed is what you want. Yeah, um, it's. It's also, I mean, when you get a rookie card signed for the player when he's a rookie, that is something that's more valuable. Wow, interesting. So it's uh, definitely, I have a Bumblebee parted figure that I got signed. So, and that's one of my prize collections. It's just. That's cool. Well, I think that probably wraps up this, this portion of the show. Just keep it, you know. I think Anthony will be happy that I kept it, you know, to under under an hour. So, for once, for once, no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> this is Bri- this is a guest spotlight record. I can talk to Brian <laughs> about about cards and grading, you know, for days and days and days and days. But you know, we get into the nuance that I think you know other folks might not appreciate in the same same respect as I do. So, but Brian, I really appreciate it. you've done an outstanding job. Um, you know, just a, a great head down worker and uh and adapted to the cas culture really really well so we're certainly happy to have you i'm glad to be working here i mean i love all the guys that i work with they're amazing 
and you guys are all amazing except for Chris, but <laughs> I don't want anymore, so. All right. <laughs> Part of the team. Fit wow. right in. <laughs> I can't I even like, fire you. I got nothing. <laughs> I think we gotta make I think we gotta I make Brian like, a permanent podcast uh, <laughs> uh member. <laughs> he's he's fully indoctrinated. Well, thank you, Brian. We really, really appreciate it and uh keep up the good work. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right. It was Thanks, fun. Brian. All right, stay tuned thank next you, for our collector's corner. We'll be there in a moment. So welcome back. We're here with Investors Corner, and we thought we could do something like original, or we could do what everybody else is doing and talk about the Morphe auction. And we're talking about the Morphe auction. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we're um, a, a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, they, they either didn't go um, or participated online, or they went and didn't actually participate. Ross and I were both there. Um, mm -hmm. We both overspent on a whole bunch of things, and we have a lot of. Uh, a lot of perspective to share about. I got, I got good deals, man. What are you talking about overspending? <laughs> I got good uh, deals. I, I, I paid twice market on a couple of things, but I'm happy with what I got. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, my, my first impressions with, with the auction was it, the auction house was outstanding. The way they had things displayed, Ross, I mean, though you agree, it was definitely like really, a, you know, glass cases. Everything was in acrylic cases, and, and there were people there that could show you um show you the, the the items pull them out um neither you nor i took advantage of that i think we got stung on a couple of things <laughs> yeah i mean denver pennsylvania right it was the middle middle of nowhere in pennsylvania i was not expecting a lot from this auction house apparently they're a big name i didn't i didn't know them though but i was really impressed as you said big beautiful museum cases really well put together auction the auction, actual auction room that you were in, there was all like stadium, you no, know, like um, theater seats, theater yeah. seats, yeah, you know, just really well done, professional, big, huge screens when they're doing it, um, and just being at a live auction, you know, you Very do. Exciting. I've done eBay or you know the the Hakes auctions, things like that, online auctions. It was it was really cool being in person. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, um, and it's different than so people. There was a lot of confusion going into it about how the um, how the auction was going to work, um, and but it was it was really like a regular auction, like a regular uh, with an auctioneer doing lots one by one, as opposed to Hakes, which they all end at the same time, right? Unless there, there's like an overflow. So it, and, and they and they did like the five and a five and a four and yeah. they did that thing. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yes, yeah. So you're it, it, so it was very intense, and, and these mm -hmm. auctions would last like about a minute, but there was like the most intense minutes of your entire life. And boom, boom, boom. And so, you know, I guess what it was is you were able to bid online if you want to put in a high bid ahead of time. So, and I guess that ended 15 minutes before the auction started. Then there was live auctioning. And I'll tell you what, so th there was, you had all of us that were in the audience and then you had a guy that was monitoring the online auctions and he was doing the, what christopher oh my god so this guy so you had bid something right and then because there's a little bit of an online delay you know you'd be okay you know i, I was bitter 14 bitter 14 you know in at you know 900 you know you know and then the, and the guy's talking kind of filling in time then all of a sudden you'd have the guy from um from the uh, the online that was doing, monitoring the online he'd go yeah just like oh. the storage wars guy yes so <laughs> and, every time you heard yep yeah, and I told this guy later, I said, I go, you're very, very good at what you do. I wanted to punch you like seven times. Yeah. 
He's this young kid, and every time I would bid stuff, and I would be bidding more than I wanted to spend already, and you hear, yep, and you have to like, oh, do you go back again? Because then they point right back to you, and they're like, you know, bidder 14, what do you got? You know, and it's like, oh. So, yeah, it was exciting. It was intense. Every time you're bidding on something, you know, your heart just kind of starts pounding, and uh, and you get outbid. Holy calm, cool, and collected, Chris. No, that was, okay. was calm, cool, and collected. Well, okay, Not nervous Ross, Ross is a rich guy, and he's just like, I'm not, what are you talking about, rich? Rich, I'm I mean, rich with love. I'm he rich walked with out. Love. He walked out with, 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 with four of the Boba Fett's, and he's like, yeah, one for everybody. You get a Boba Fett. You get a Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think my. Oh, oh go sorry. ahead. You know, please, Brian, go ahead. Picture the voice from the Micro Machines commercials. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was. They, they it didn't was talk cool. quite that it fast. Cool. Speaking of which, Blur from Transformers. So. Yeah. True. Same guy, same guy. We can see with the Transformer I, uh, trivia. That's my fit, and I'm not going to go get it, but I actually have a really cool Blur custom from Collector Archive Services. Shameless plug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so my, my, my impression on the auction, above all else, you know, for folks that are familiar with it, and even if you weren't, it was there was 400 or more, like maybe three, 400, something like that, ungraded really great condition vintage star wars action figures like i i don't think you'll ever again see that many ungraded action star wars action figures in the same auction at the and same time ever again. and uncirculated uh, yeah. so one of the one of the things that really stood about this auction and we can go into some of the, the prices because i did take some notes on them but um one of the things that really really stood out was the clear bubble return of the jedi stuff because mm -hmm. you know you can have the I my entire Return of the Jedi collection, all eighties or better, all unpunched, no price stickers. But I'd say more than half of them have very 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 yellow bubbles. And when you see a Return of the Jedi figure with a clear bubble, the dang thing like sings to you because you just never see it. I actually got the the clearest bubble Klaatu skiff maybe that exists at that auction no yeah. it was is it, it was pretty clear but with a little tinge of yellow but just an impop for whatever reason an impossible figure to find clear i got there um but you know look i we were owners of a grading company so it, it we would be remiss if i didn't point out that you know when you're when you're bidding in an auction like that that has so many ungraded carded figures you really do appreciate the objectivity and the predictability that grading brings, right? Because even with pretty decent pictures and a description of of these ungraded items, when I so Chris and I were there, right? So if you were there in person, you could you could bid in person. You can ultimately pay and get your items there, right? Which was a cool thing. There was a little confusion whether you'd be able to pick them up, but they ultimately collected credit cards from people that allow you to get them, but. Despite the good pictures, despite the descriptions, there was a few items that I got there. I was like, eh, this is as good a condition as I thought it was, right? And for what I paid, I was a little disappointed on a few of them, Me right? Too. And, yep. you know, if you get, if you, it's a CA, CAS 80, you know what it is. If it's an 85, you know what it is. You know what you're right. getting. There's, you're not going to be surprised. There's going to be some ding in a corner or a dent in the bubble or whatever. Um, but again, very, very unique to have an opportunity to see that many ungraded figures. And, you know, CES, your favorite grading company, was set up there and we took submissions, which was pretty neat. Um, and, well, and more importantly, we're, 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 we're documenting it on the label. Yeah. Which, you that's know, because right. some of these items, and we're going to get into it here in a minute, but some of these items, 
sold more raw than they sell for graded because I think people wanted to be a part of this experience. To, to say they own something part of this, this you know, I, I don't know if you want to call it a fine, but ultimately, you know, there was a guy that had 400 carded figures that he's had for 40 plus years that were uncirculated and were in exceptional condition. And, you know, the, the, the prices reflect the fact that people were really caught up in the fact that this was a very unique situation. Six, six DT Lukes carded. Uh, right? Five, yeah. Five? five. Eh, who's counting? Um, well, Chris is counting, apparently. Yeah, yeah. How many Boba Fett's? Uh, I think there was like seven. He's got notes. Boba Look Fett's. at this guy. One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> Look at this guy. six. Yeah. So eight. Hey Chris, I thought you said Ross bought all the Bubba Fats, but he only got four of them. Exactly. Well, he only got four. He, right. he didn't let the he, the ones that were punched. He's like, it's crap. It's uh, crap. Yeah, I don't care. But they were all they were all going for like fourteen, fifteen thousand. That was a lot of money for an ungraded fat. That could be a seventy-five. It it could be, you know. But but I, the thing is, I think that the any of those that show up at CAS um, and and Brian, if you're doing labels, <laughs> we're um we actually are, are putting on the labels. For, for them by request, um, 2023 Morphe's auction, because this was sort of, from the from a Star Wars standpoint, uh, a very monumentous uh, occasion. So, yeah. Um, I definitely like the idea of labeling that so it can, you know, you know it came from that auction. It's going to add a little bit of value to that, additionally value. Right. Well, PSA did that with Dimitri Young's collections. Every now and again, you'll see, you know, from the Dimitri Young collection, who yep. Dimitri Young was a former Major League Baseball player and a really um, big collector, and he sold off some of his collection. Twins? Um, Am I right with that? Twins? He played for the Twins? the Tigers for a little bit, I think. Yeah, right. I don't know. All right. So, yeah, it shows that's how little we know. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> move on to the investor side yeah. of all this. Um, so, I just... I, like I said, I, I do have some notes. Um, so twelve back. So one of the things that we notice about the um, about the auction is things started off high, and then there was a lot of the exact same things. So my impression was it would start off high, and then as you know, people got theirs, they would drop off, and things would drop. The prices would drop, and exactly the opposite would happen. So you know, items that sold at the beginning actually sold for a little bit less than things that sold at, at the at the start. You know, so for example, uh, there was a little bit of ebb and flow, but the very very first thing in the auction was a, a twelve back layout was unpunched, sold for twenty nine fifty two, which is about a thousand dollars more than an eighty graded one, right? But the the second to the last one. Um, one, one thing that I did notice that punched versus unpunched had a very, very di big difference. And for the few that were circulated, if it had a price sticker, that, that significantly changed the value. But so, you know, the first layout sold for $2,952, and the last unpunched one sold for $1,000 more. So $39.36. It just is an idea that people were getting desperate towards the end and wanted to own a piece of these things. And that's the price that. That's a price shift for Leia. And, and despite being in uh, shipping cases with this guy for years, there was no CES 100s, I'll tell you that. There was no, no CES 100s, <laughs> right? So I mean, you just see, like, even those Leia's, I looked at all the descriptions as they went through the auctions. I, I looked at a lot of those Leia's. I wanted to win a Leia because I needed an upgrade for mine, but the prices were just crazy. But I don't, I don't think the condition was that great. You know, 75s, 80s. Yeah, there may be some 85s, but you know, maybe, right, maybe. But there, there was a range. And in sometimes and you're, you're taking a chance. Right? You're taking a chance. Right. Um, 
And I guess, you know, one of the early things that went to, and I will call it the Julius Caesar moment of the day. Um, so my whole time when I went there, I wanted to upgrade my, my snaggletooth, right? So I wanted a nice 21-back snaggletooth, and I figured I'll get in early, right? I'll just get the first one. And the first one comes up, and I go to bid, and Ross... Bids. I'm like, really? I got a great deal on that. Yeah, yeah. Got he got, really the, cheap, he on got the cheapest one. I got the cheapest one. So, so they paid nine hundred each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is so special. So, so <laughs> just so you know, that one after buyer's premium sold for one thousand one hundred and sixty-nine dollars. Still a bunch, a lot for a single tooth. But, not, yeah, it was a decent. It was a little expensive. Yeah. But towards the end, the last two sold for seventeen hundred and twenty-two dollars. $600 difference. So, you know, Ross screwed me, which I really, I mean, that we would expect <laughs> nothing else, right? Well, interestingly, I went into the auction not expecting to bid at all except to bid you up. I wanted to make sure to find out which which items he wanted just so I could bid you up. Yeah, so when I say Ross is mean and people are like, oh, come on, give him a chance. No, he, he literally targeted me. I did. And, and I didn't end up with the snaggletooth. Hey, so, Chris, Ross has a snaggletooth available for sale if you want to buy it, you know. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I upgraded. I upgraded. I have a I have a 6570 condition one if you want to. I'll send it your way. No, you said you have one, right? Yeah, I upgrading. have one. I just I wanted an upgrade. You know, mine's a yellow yeah. bubble, you know. So the yellow um, bubble on a 21 back snag. Yeah, right? interesting. Yeah. It's I'm, tough to yeah. find. Well, and speaking of yellow bubbles, we should talk about that uh, yellow bubble DT loop. Yeah, so that was very interesting. So there were five double telescoping loops, right? And the prices ranged from a low, which was a punched, they were all 12 Cs. Um, a, a punched one, the low was uh, $27,060, right? And then there that's were- That's all in, including buyer's period? That's all in, including. And then yeah. then you had had three of them that sold all for the same price, which is 31980 So I think that was probably almost like a, a pre-bid sort of thing, right? And then we had one, which was- had a slightly yellow bubble, and we I didn't take it out to take a look at it, but the tip was not sticking out of the saber itself. And um, Chuck Lang, uh, yes, yeah, who, Chuck Lang, Ch Chuck, Chuck Lang, who um, who did all of the description said that he thinks it was missing the filament altogether, um, and, and we couldn't tell one way or the other. But that one ended up selling for forty one thousand eight hundred twenty dollars. So it was punched and it had no tip, and I. I sort of wonder if whoever bought it bought it because it was a factory error without the filament. It because, has to be wow. why. It has to be why. It, it, I mean, the yellow bubble certainly would turn me off. Everything else being equal, um, but you know, for that to be the highest value one, and you know, I was close when there was a bunch of people. The 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 woman, one of the women working there, pulled it out of the case, and there was a bunch of people, you know, nerds collecting, like looking underneath it and around, you know, you like, <laughs> see like a collection of nerds like descending on this carded figure, like, oh, where where's the filament, right? Like trying to look down at it, we, we couldn't see it. So I think I think that might be it. I didn't hear how that one concluded though. Yeah, somebody knew something about it that we didn't. Um, so I mean, it, it just really really crazy um that you know the the least condition one. so because the, the thought was as that one was coming up and, and ross kind of said to me he's like you know if there's one that's going to go cheap it's going to go this one and quite frankly the opposite happened yeah don't listen the, to me the opposite happened so <laughs> i get the george costanza effect yeah do the opposite um but like so yeah. some of the what's well again but again that, that to me assume that it is missing the inner filament 
like how weird are, are collectors right like something's missing and that makes it like way yeah. more valuable here's than, a broken toy i want right like <laughs> how stupid is that but it but it makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense the right. way collectors think it's um so one thing that actually i i've been on um and stopped and, and we still really the verdict's still kind of out on on this one that um went for i mean still double what it would normally go for but uh we had a, a power droid that wasn't labeled as such, but was the short V version, and it ended up selling for sixteen hundred bucks. Um, but it wasn't labeled as that, and it's kind of one of the the hot variations that are out right now. So I thought that was kind of an interesting sell. And all the rest of them were there was there was like nine power droids, and all the rest of them were um, were the regular style, but that had one carded short V one. Um, another interesting thing was in. I've mentioned this, I've talked about this for a while, and people kind of kind of hemmed and hawed whether this really exists, but they had an entire case of Yodas. Sold it as an entire case of Yodas. Oh, yeah. So 24 uncirculated. Uh, most were on punch. Uh, there were a couple of punches that actually were that went with the case itself. So you had the case, and you had 24 Yodas. I, I hope we're not actually asked to encase that, because that's going to be one huge... I was gonna say, you know, he's gonna have to encase that. He's gonna have to do all twenty-four Yodas and the box, and it's gonna be a ginormous case. I mean, that would take up. Well, think about it. So twenty-four. What do I have here? One, two, three, four, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Oh, look, so, this so, Doctor Star Wars would he's, uh, yeah. So, so, so twenty, twenty in a row back here for for people that you know, and you know, so you're probably looking if you go six and four. You know that is a good chunk of a wall. Mm, yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna do, gonna do or display that, you know. But that ended up selling, and really not that bad. So twenty two thousand one hundred and forty dollars, which is less than a thousand dollars a Yoda. Were they thirty two, thirty two backs? Yeah, all, all yeah. thirty two backs. Yeah. Um, you know, mostly unpunched, but you know, so less than a thousand dollars a piece, which, you know. I mean, if there were some eighty five nineties, eighty fives are well over a thousand nineties. You know, um, probably what three grand for something like that. So, but I would imagine whoever bought it's going to keep it, keep it the same. But I thought that was pretty fascinating. Who knows? I I would think that's a flip. Honestly, yeah, I don't know. You don't would. Know. You would think it's a flip. You know. No, why? but I'm th I'm saying that's a lot of money to spend on. I mean, someone's got to have a lot of money to keep that together. Yeah. But you can see someone investing that money to then flip it. Yeah. And probably you know keep a few or whatever one. Keep and the box. Ironically, the, the original seller for all this, the, the guy that submitted it, actually wanted everything sold that way. So he wanted all the Lukes to be sold in one lot, all the Boba Fett's to be sold in one lot. And a lot of, you know, you know, people were thinking, well, you know, how do we pull our money together and get uh, get some of that? It's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, that, that was the original concept. So. Stay in your lane, buddy. Let the auctioneers do their work. Well, and, and the, so the, the, the groupings that were there, were specified by the owner himself. So, really? Yeah, whenever he bought a lot, yeah. Chuck Chuck Lang told me he did the lots. He did the lots. No, that's not what Dan Morphy actually told me. I talked to Dan that's specifically. Chuck Chuck told me that he did the I'm lots. I'm going to go with what Dan said. I just, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm going with what Chuck told me. Yeah, I could see Dan Morphy talking up the, the auction, right? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, so... So then we had the, the Boba Fetts, right? The Boba Fetts ranged from 14760 
and it went up to $21,900, the last one that sold. So again, you know, these prices started to bid. What was very interesting is the unpunched ones, most of them sold for the exact same price, which was $15,990. You had one, two, three, four of them sell for that price. And the unpunched ones all went for $14,760. Dude, I, I remember when I first first started collecting, well, you know, the, the first real big expenditure I had was on a Boba Fett. You know, I think I paid thirty five hundred or four thousand for a graded eighty, and I thought it was a tremendous amount of money, and it is like four thousand is a lot right. of money to spend on an action figure, right? But like twenty thousand, dude, crazy, ungraded. I had, one, I had one back in the day, 90, 1994. I mean, I was didn't have a lot of money back then, and I paid nine hundred dollars for it. Wow. Unpunched, wow. it was beautiful. So, yeah, th th that same thing now is, you know, 14000 or up to $21,000. Outstanding. But, again, you know, so you're looking at, you had, again, what would I say, seven of them at, like, $15,000 a piece. <laughs> like, wow. almost $100,000 in Boba Fett just alone. Yeah. All in one collection. All from this auction. So um, Did they have the total for the entire auction, like what the end was? So he didn't say, uh, what he did say is that there was a, a woman there who was actually the daughter of the guy that was, that was, um, that owned all these. And I, when they originally had talked to him about it, they were hoping to get $40,000 out of the, um, out of the whole collection. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and talking to, um, really, it, I think it's one of Dan's partners, um, a pop, pop culture guy. He said, you know, he goes, I was taking these out, and it was really, really cool to see them. I go, and I asked myself, well, did you know the significance of what you had? Did you you know, recognize that the Lukes were double telescoping? And uh, he's like, I had no idea what that was. You know, so mm. it was nice that Chuck reached out, you know, and that the community kind of said, look, I mean, you know, yes, we all want a deal, but no, we're not going to let these things pretend like th these things are something that they're not, you know. So, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, that they were probably really surprised by um, by some of the prices, um, so let's see what else do I want to talk about. Um, so another thing that you know I had mentioned before is something that you don't see very often are clear bubble Jedi figures. And uh, Ross, you bought you bought some of those. I bought some of them. It, it's just unusual to see. Um, so one of the highlights of that there was uh, a Reese, a Prune Face, a Lando Skiff, an eighty-eight, and a. Um, a Leia Bush and a Bib Fortuna went for um, $2,460, which, you know, you look at some of those figures raw are usually like $100 figures. And so you have one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, looking at like four times what they would sell for retail raw because of of the clear bubbles. Yeah, I th look, I think the days of the $100 figure for those figures is probably a few years back. Right, like everything has gone up. Even like a, you know, a yellow bubble bit Fortuna, I could see two hundred bucks. Right. So I, but, I have a I have a UKG eighty Tebow, yep. right? That I cannot give away for two hundred bucks. Unpunched. <laughs> it's crazy. What's well, Ewoks, man? No one wants an Ewoks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, so there some of these raw figures still sell that cheap, and to see these prices go, you know, or we had um. Uh, a, a Luke, Luke Jedi, uh, Leia Pancho, and Nick Doe in 88, so four figures, sold for seventeen twenty-two, so over $400 a piece. You know, with the Luke Jedi... You know who was the underbidder on that? That was you. You, you were pushing <laughs> that for was that. 
It was a clear, really clear Luke Jedi, which is hard to find. It's you never see him. Really, you hard never, to find. never see him. And that yeah. was, and that's where you know you get, you get the, those prices on that sort of stuff. It was just, you know, pretty, un, pretty unbelievable. Um, but really, in terms of like just the, um, just the, the the sheer, Ross uses the term bananas for numbers, were the twelve backs. So you know, um, and I'll just so. Darth Vader had a, a high of 4,290 and a low of 3,444. That was for a punch example, right? Then, later on in the auction, there was an AFA 80 plus. An AFA 80 plus sold for like $2,706. So, <laughs> it tells you whether it be speculation or, or just people wanted a slice of this action. So um, there were three non-double telescoping Lukes, and the low one was the first one, sold for $4,428. So about double what 80 would sell for. The high one sold for $8,610. Wow. Now, you know, and, and Ross, you can kind of speak to this. I mean, you don't have to necessarily give the number, but you bought a, an ink-touched double telescoping Luke. For less. For yeah. less than that. For less yeah. than that. Yeah. So if it gives you just some perspective of how much things were going for at this auction. Um, another one that stood out as a, a head scratcher. So, you know, uh, the first Chewbacca, which was punched, um, 12 back sold for $1,478. Bit much for a Chewbacca, but he had a high of $4,920 for a Chewbacca, right. which really I would say is like one of the lower tier 12 backs I would sold that. for, yeah, sold mm -hmm. for, again, you know, you're probably looking at a, a raw one is a thousand twelve hundred dollars Look, and, and this sold for, for really almost $5,000. So, I mean, just the, the story of the 12 backs, um, you know, we had a, an AFA 75 R2 sold for 1599 and you had a raw one sold for 4182. You Ooh. had a, uh, AFA 85 Stormtrooper sold for $3,400, but you had raw, a raw one sell for $4,920. And you, and you had the opportunity to like go and look at these raw cards like up front ahead of time. You can go to the case and see them, hold them, and get it, an you idea of what condition them. they were in. So what, what, you get an up-close look at them. Yeah, and I did neither Ross or I did a really good job of taking advantage of this because we really probably should have. Kristen, Kristen, I did. Did not surprising. You, did not you? Not surprising. Some of the stuff you bought makes me uh, wonder why you. <laughs> well, you know what it is. I looked at certain other things, but what I ended up bidding on was not right the items I looked at. Yeah. So, I, so maybe I, I thought... did do a bad job. Maybe you were right. Maybe you were right. I did. Do a bad <laughs> well, job. Well, the funny thing about Ross is, look, I went. I had. I had on my phone. I had an app. And I had all the ones that I was looking for. I had kind of a range I was looking to spend, you know, the, the item number so I knew when it was coming up. And and Ross would be like, something would pop up, and, ooh, that's nice. And he'd go look for it on his phone while they're bidding. Well, that was the beauty of it too, right? So you couldn't couldn't see it that well in person. You know, they had they had actually everything was locked away. They didn't have the actual pieces when they were auctioning it, but they were all locked away in the cases. But they had a picture on the on a big TV when you're in the auditorium. Um, but even, you couldn't see the condition on that, but you could follow along on your phone and read the description and look closer to the picture and magnify and stuff like that. So it's mm. kind of what I did along the way. So yeah. it made going and looking beforehand kind of pointless unless you were but, gonna, like, remember 
I mean, even even with your list of like 30, 40, 50 figures, you couldn't remember exactly. I mean, you wrote, yeah, this one looks good. This one looks bad, you know? Well, wh- wh- where I got – so I, I bought a Greedo, um, which is, you know, I mean, very likely going to get an 85. It is outstanding, right? But I bought a Walrus. Hint, hint, Brian. 85. Well, you're right. Was, that, but you know what's good for you, Brian? I'm you know what's good for you. 60. Well, you know, I was, but let's, that's a really quick, a really quick segue though, Brian. One of the cool things, one of the things about CIS is that, you know, we have, we took in probably a hundred pieces from this auction and, and when they get to you, you don't know who's is who's. No. Except the really nice Greedos, uh, Chris's. <laughs> but there were a couple that were submitted, but, and, and so, you know, people that, that wonder, you know, when we, if we do get preferential treatment, Brian, that's one thing you can speak to, right? You don't, there are no names on these things when they come to you. Correct. Yeah, we just get the figures and the order number, and that's it. Yeah, there's. But a if you start. see a really nice Greedo, give it a seventy. Wow. Any really nice Greedo. And, 70, and, and, and Snaggletooth. <laughs> and the Snaggletooth. You know. Return it as altered. Rejected. Rejected. Cut the corner. Uh, be like, oh, it's trimmed. It's trimmed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so but I I bid on a walrus man that looked really good in the pictures, and when I got it in person, you know, it's probably a seventy-five. You know, the description was, you know, that it came from the find and that it was in good condition. It was punched. I knew it was punched, but um, but I probably overbid on that one. Um, in that case, and it's like, you know, kind of a. What about the lot? So I, I bought a lot. Again, this is, this just shows you that there's value in grading, right? I bought a lot, and in, in there was an ADAC commander carded, and, like, the back had separated from the front, right? Like, half half the back was, like, hanging off. And I don't recall that being in the description. Had that been graded, there's no – you know, it would have been, like, a 20 or 30 or whatever, right? Yeah, very I would have never bought it. would have never right. bought it. Hmm. So yeah, it definitely shows, you know, th- th- definitely that, you know, somebody can call something mint, you know, but mint is uh, in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. Um, so I ended up buying that. Uh, I bought a Greedo, a Walrus Man, and then a five-pack of Jedi figures because it was a Reese that I really, really wanted. Um, and I'm going to get the, I'm, I'm excited to get the, the Morphe's label on it, you know, and, and, and Ross. So but this is how it goes. So not only did Ross show me up by bidding on my Snaggletooth, right? Sure did. But but then well, they would go and you could pay for them and they would pick the stuff out. And I had seven figures and I'm proud of myself and I rolled the card up to the table and I'm starting to submit. And Ross comes in with friggin' out of 500 figures. Like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, move side. And it's like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, just me. I'm counting. I'm counting right now. 17 figures. Yeah. I got 17 figures. But a lot of them are lots. The lots are where, where, where the deals were. Yeah, right. I, yeah. A few, few of my purchases were individual ones. The lots were all like, you know, get them, upgrade some, maybe sell one down the road. Um, so, yeah, there, there was especially early on, the conditions were a little off, but there were some power of the force lots that I, I think that the, the cumulative price of the figures were less than what they would sell for graded loose. So, yeah. you know, th- that's where that's where there was a little bit of money to be made on, on some of those, you know. But the Power of the Force, some of that Power of the Force stuff, um, I don't know if, if, if he bought them at retail as opposed to, you know, buying by the case. But uh, they ended up selling for um, for less less money and they were the condition were a little a little soft, I'll say. So, but, uh, 
But yeah, that was the auction. I had a great time, Ross. You had a good time. The the um the book is gonna be something I'm gonna keep forever. Got a little bit dinged up in the um in, in the the airport, but really, 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 really excited about it. Can't wait to uh to get my pieces back in. You know, if we actually are back to doing this podcast semi regularly, it should be back in about thirty days. So I uh, should be back in time for our next podcast. Nice. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That was really cool. So, so he's gonna kill me, but I think it'd be cool to put that book next to one of the figures you got as a whole, you know, piece of the auction. That would be display. cool. That would, that would be, be kind of cool. cool. I, I do have, um, you know, the the Jedi figures are a few that were, you know, um, that I didn't necessarily need, you know, and to have that would be interesting. Yeah. Cool display, but I didn't tell you to do it because Lee would yell at me. So. <laughs> well, especially the book's heavy; it's going to be extra reinforced. So it's not only would Lee be mad, but Kevin would be like, "Really?" And it make yeah. extra thick clips. And, it's a you know, it's a heavy book. It's a heavy book. Yeah, yeah. I think so, Lee would yell at you regardless of what you do. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lee caught on to the um, pick on Chris uh, thing really early. So. <laughs> Whereas it took you like, like like a good chunk of a podcast, Lee kind of just slid right in. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was told to pick on you from day one. I just I thought you were a nice guy. So yeah, it turns out nice oh, guys finish oh. last. So he's <laughs> a good sport. He really is a good sport. <laughs> good whipping boy. Good whipping boy. So well, cool. Look, we kept this one under. This one's going to be probably under forty minutes by the time we wrap it up. Yeah, huh? doing great. Look at that. Look at yeah. that. People would actually stay for the whole thing this time. So, <laughs> Well, cool. Um, does anybody have any uh, final thoughts you want to say before we close this up? You mean a my two cents? Come on, Mike, you don't know the names, the names of the segments? You forgot them? Come on. Yeah. It's been a little while since we've had the it's podcast. It's been a while, so. and I'm old, and I'm old. I think I figured out what I want to say for my two cents. Sure. All right. All right. So my two cents is I'm really glad that Ross got that snaggle tooth and Chris did. Balls. <laughs> nice. I am too. I am too. I like your two cents. <laughs> my, my, my two cents on top of your two cents is I don't like Ross. I, I like Ross less now. At hey, I, I will, guys, I will say, uh, I looked it up while you guys were talking. Dimitri Young, right? He started out his career at um, – St. Louis, two years, five years in Cincinnati, Detroit for six years, and ended his career at, as a Washington National. Yeah. So there you go. Not the Twins. Right. Not the no, twins. I knew he played for the Tigers wrong. for a little bit. A little follow-up for you. There you go. That's um, my two cents. So. Uh-huh. There it is. Cool. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for um, sticking around. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you made it through the entire podcast. Um, remember, you can find us on uh, YouTube and Podbeam and uh App was it? Yes, yeah, so you, you you can find us everywhere, Chris. All the yeah, but, yeah, social media wise, we're on all major social media platforms, right? Instagram, Instagram handle has changed to CAS grading. Uh, Ooh, but that's otherwise, that's catchy. Yes, I yes, like it. I I think uh, I, I like think it. we were trying to follow in the steps of PSA. Isn't PSA grading or PSA yeah. card grade or something like that? Is their handle? But um, Twitter, we're now on TikTok. Um, all over the place. Facebook, obviously, but yeah, if you, uh, we are on all major uh, podcasting platforms. Just look up Passion for Collecting, and uh, please follow, subscribe. It helps the podcast out. Look at that! Find us. <laughs> show the goods. Show the goods. <laughs> Hold on, we're in tell- That was a free show. That was a free show. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, so th- thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around. Till next time, uh, keep collecting, my friends. 
Bye. Hello, toy fans. This is Chris Whitlock from Collector Archive Services. Let's Col- collector fans, yeah. maybe collector fans. All right, can I start over? Hey there, hey there, hey there, toy fans. Okay. Hey there, toy fans. This is Chris Whitlock from Collector Archive Service, and welcome to CAS Presents Passion for Collecting. Passion for Collecting is the official CAS podcast. We are sponsored by Collector Archive Services. Visit our website at www.collectorarchiveservices. Service uh, to get your uh, toys. It's services toys. with an S. Actually, it's just not. collector archive. It's collector archive. I, can we start over? Let's start oh, come over. Come on, again. guys. All right. I'm starting <laughs> over again. Cut. All right. Hello, toy fans. This is Chris from Collector Archive Service. Noob, 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 noob. Hey there. Hey there, toy fans. Why? Come on. Hey That's there? your signature Pull intro, yourself together, Chris. All right, all right. All Pull right. yourself Got together. It? Cut, cut, cut. Ready? All right. Am I getting that wrong? That's your signature intro, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Corner and. We thought we could do something like. I would start again. I would start again. Hot, green, not gray and wintry. Um, You know, definitely envious of the folks that are living down south. Uh So, as much as it's wonderful to hear Chris talk about the weather in Michigan, um, (laughs) (laughs) the weather brought you by CAS. (laughs) Anyway, 